and this is I'm Curious Podcast, but your host today isn't me. It is my friend Diane Kahn, who is the Executive Director of Humans of San Quentin, and Diane was on episode 42 of this podcast, which is a few episodes ago, and at the end of the conversation, she's like, oh, Ashley, I really want to interview you, and I was like, yeah, that would be a lot of fun, but you know, I was worried, like, should I send her my own story, but she followed up with an email, was like, we should totally do it. And so I'm so grateful to her and honored that she creates space to ask me questions and to explore. So I'm in the hot seat today. I'm handing over the keys, we're flipping positions, and I'm letting Diane lead. So I guess there's not much of an intro to do here. Uh, Diane, in fact, came prepared. She gave me one herself. Um, I really, I really loved this conversation. I, I hope you all learn a little bit about me. And I, yeah, I'm a little bit speechless, so let's dive in. Sit up straight when she enters the room. Be enthused, but don't look too amused. This is a queendom. Passing it off to you now. I'll be quiet. <laughs> well, hi, everybody. Um, I'm Diane Kahn, and I'm here with Ashley Asty. And one thing that comes to mind right away when I, when I think of her um, is kind of, I guess you would call it a tagline, but what comes to me when I speak to you is when you said, I want to bring the unfamiliar closer. Um, I think these are a summation of what, what we hope to learn about you today and get closer to you. Um, so fortunately, Ashley has let me take over the radio waves and turn the tables <laughs> on her podcast to view life from her insight. As we look through what Ashley has to offer us, it seems like her yoga practice and witnessing consciousness and her enlightenment for mindfulness and spirituality. Um, we also see her as an active listener and the discipline to engage other people. It seems to be a running current in your podcast. So we're looking forward to doing a little bit more and find out a little bit more about you. So for those of you that don't know, Ashley has created a podcast, I'm Curious, and it's a platform for individuals to share their lives, their work, their healing, their accomplishments, their movements, um, but mostly you can see their presence. So Ashley gives space for people to talk about a plethora of, of different topics, anywhere from love to feminism, activism, civil rights, prison reform, Catholic sexual repression. Uh, at one point, she even talked to a journalism in Syria um, and food, food injustice. So today um, we get to get into Ashley. It seems like her bubbly personality is both insightful and uplifting and her carefree laugh is very contagious. <laughs> so let's dive in a little bit and get to know your community. And we also wanna talk about your, um, the community that you've built surrounding babies with, with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. particularly looking close forward to that. And so we're lucky to focus on your flight, your plight to humanity and the search for a better understanding. So thank you for letting me turn the tables today. Oh, I'm so grateful. That was such a generous introduction. It was unexpected and I'm grateful for it. And I feel both nervous and excited to hand over the keys to you. Not because I don't trust you, because I'm like, oh, this is different. This, <laughs> this is centering my story. I have to answer questions and be in the hot seat. So I'm well, excited. Yeah. yeah, well, now you know how, how we feel. <laughs> it's probably a good lesson in compassion now for my future guests (laughs) (laughs) and what I love is that there's so many times that you're with people that you really want to get to know them so this is a great opportunity that you're able to dive in and get to know somebody pretty quickly and ask straightforward questions so um, looking forward to it. Thank you. Yeah, that's something we normally don't get to do in everyday life. It's usually small talk. You can't dive into like the authentic, vulnerable space right away, but that's what we're doing. 
Yeah, exciting. Um, so first, maybe we should start with, I'm assuming that maybe your yoga practice came first, or you can maybe tell us how that has springboarded you into podcasts. Hmm. Yeah, I, yoga is something that emerged from, like, I didn't expect it to, as most things in my life were unplanned. I was a competitive gymnast growing up, so I spent in the summers eight and a half hours a day in the gym. Um, school years, spent a million hours before school, after school. Uh, and then by the time I was in my teens, I was injured too many times. I broke both my wrists. They never really healed. And I think truthfully, it was no longer a space that felt nourishing or supportive for me anymore. And so I left. Um, but in the wake of that, I was like, what do I do? <laughs> it had become my identity. And so I just thought the outward trappings of yoga made sense to me because I was a gymnast, so strong, flexible, like, oh, yoga sounds like something I can do. Uh, I had no idea when I searched for like that physical experience that it would be a journey that was so much deeper and has taken me into um, a deeper understanding, not only of my physical being, but just who I am and what I want in the world. It's a great place. Every morning I wake up and I do yoga and it's just a space to let go of whatever I've been carrying good or bad, just sort of breathe it out, sweat it out, cleanse it out. Um, and, and I've gotten to become a teacher in the past couple of years. And that has taught me in a whole other way about compassion and listening to other people's bodies and experiences. And for me standing in front of a room and holding that space. So it's been a blessing. Yeah, it really is. And it seems like you have a good balance of that. So you have your lightness, but yet at the same time, you're bringing out the depth in people. Mm. Um, so that's wonderful. Do you want to share a little bit more about the teaching that you're doing? Yeah. So currently I teach people in, uh, who are 55 plus at a, like a luxury condo community for people who are 55 plus. And I teach um, meditation. I teach a vinyasa class, which is like your typical yoga class that you would imagine when you hear yoga on a, on a yoga mat and it's flowing. Um, but I also for, especially for those in their seventies and, and beyond, I teach a chair yoga class. And that has been such a delight. I think I go into this space and we're in this like big ballroom uh, in their community center. And many of them have not gone to a traditional yoga studio before. And so there's so much room for laughter that erupts in the middle of class that doesn't happen when I've taught in traditional studio spaces. We just laugh, we, uh, we feel our strength. Uh, the, I love watching the, the women and men because when I'll ask them to like, they're in downward dog and to move their leg towards the top of the mat. Sometimes they'll like grab onto their foot and like pull it forward, not caring like what it looks like or really just being persistent that I think when I've taught people in their 20s or their 30s wouldn't do something like that. And so I just love the way they show up and chair yoga has been so much fun. They let me bring in, I figured that they weren't gonna be open to me I bring poetry into class or spirituality or breath work. I thought they just, at first they wanted a workout, all of these, these people. And instead they've mm -hmm. been so generous in allowing me to share all parts of me and all parts of the practice. And so I only teach a couple days a week. You know, that's not my like main thing in life, but I, I love it and wouldn't want to trade it for anything else. Oh my gosh, what a gift. Yeah, I always think of when you think of, you know, chair yoga or any, anything you're doing in a chair, you don't think of it as very expounding, but it's wonderful that you're able to complement the mind. Yeah. Um, and you know, they, we, we do, we, we don't just sit in a chair. We stand up. I bring in stuff. I was, a, I did ballet dancing too growing up. I bring in like moves from ballet. We do like standing Pilates. They're so wonderful. And we just sort of, I don't know, go make it up as we go and we get creative. And I feel like a sense of feeling expansive and also drawn into your body and, and developing a sense of presence and being where you are each day and that, that being okay in your body and in your life, just being in that moment. Yeah, well, what a gift that you can share that with other people. That's off to you, that's awesome. It's a gift to me, I've, as, you know, as you know, with <laughs> even like the work with people in prison, everyone's like, oh, how amazing, like what a great thing you do. And I'm like, oh no, it's a gift to me. <laughs> For them to let me be here and do this, I can totally relate. Yes. <laughs> oh, how fun. Um, so tell us a little bit about um, your work with Down syndrome. Once again, something that I hadn't planned in my life. <laughs> but I, uh, gosh, 
my, she always tells me, so my friend, Brittany, who happens to have Down syndrome, she's a woman with Down syndrome. She's a year older than I am. We met and I want to say it was like six years ago. She's going to ask me, she was just like, when does our friend anniversary, our friend anniversary? And it's <laughs> in November. And I want to say it's going to be like, oh, maybe seven years this year, uh, seven years. So we met seven years ago. I was actually giving a workshop for something unrelated. And I had been thinking at the time, did I want to sell tickets to it or what did I want to do? And I didn't, I didn't really want to do it that way. I just thought maybe there's a nonprofit I could raise money for. So if people came, they can just choose to donate. And a mutual friend had told me about Brittany. And I remember just reaching out to her and saying like, hey, would you want to come to this event, speak a little bit, talk about what you're doing? She had just been starting her nonprofit to support families with babies with Down syndrome. Um, mm. And then, you know, people might donate. <laughs> and so she said yes. And we teased that from the first moment she walked in and we hugged, we knew that we were going to be friends. And, uh, and so from there, our friendship sort of evolved. And I first started working with her. I, I had done at the time work with wellness and nutrition, and we were doing that kind of thing in yoga. Uh, and then it morphed into the, uh, you know, she and her parents asked if I wanted to join the board of directors of the nonprofit that provides what we call baskets of hope full of resources and love to families with babies with Down syndrome across the country, because oftentimes when a family finds out they're going to have a child with Down syndrome, whether it's the geneticist delivering the news or when they're telling this to other family members, they hear, I'm sorry. Or even to this day, the doctors will continue to then go on to all the things your child will never be able to do. Oh. And yeah, which is so heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yes. yes. And so oh, here you are given this gift and that voice then comes and tells you that, oh my gosh, that is remarkable. And, okay, and it must be like scary. And, and so rather than saying, we don't say I'm sorry, we say congratulations. And so Brittany is exceptional in what she does in her life, but she's not the exception. And so we want parents to know that when your child grows up, they're going to have friends and, you know, Brittany has multiple jobs and she goes out drinking and she does all the things any other 30 year old woman might be doing. And so we want to create that sense of community and like, this is a, no matter who you are or how you're born, your arrival in this world deserves to be celebrated. Yeah, that's such a great quote. That's a wonderful highlight to look at each person as individuals that we are. So it's wonderful that you you see that it sounds like we got to give a big shout out to Brittany for how much she's changing the world. She seems like oh. a great person. I'd love to meet just because she's highlighting and making such good out of something that I guess has always had a stigmatism, right? Yes. And, and that's what I, never. Exactly. When I first met her and at, in fact, I remember at that workshop when I was introducing her for the first time, she was 25 then. And I remember saying that like, how many 25 year olds know their purpose? And then beyond that, not only do they know it, but are choosing to act on it. And that's what she was doing at 25 years old. She'd come home one day and told her parents, I wanna give hope to moms and dads with babies with Down syndrome. And her parents were like, okay, that's lovely, but like, what do we do with this? But she was very persistent and it's morphed into something that I think none of us ever expected. It's become, we thought it was gonna be this little local thing and it's become national and Brittany's been on TV and gotten awards and you know flown across the country to film with Viola Davis and just done really cool things that I think we never expected. And so anytime I get to sit you know, at an awards dinner that she's receiving an award and it's so sweet, I sit between, between her parents, they always like as if I'm another child of theirs, I get to sit between them and I see her dad crying because I think when she was born 32 years ago and the doctors listed all the things she'd never be able to do to watch their daughter do this in the world. Um, like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like every parent's dream. Yes, absolutely. Down right? syndrome or not, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she must have so many wonderful qualities that just propel people to her, right? That hope yes. is just her gift. Yeah. And she's, I mean, she's, she's sassy. She's, she's smart. She's creative. She loves fashion. She'll tell you about all the celebrity crushes she has. We talk about boys. Like <laughs> she's, she's, a whole, she's a whole human being, um, but she definitely has that magnetism and that hope. Well, I hope she hears this today to let her know how much you love her and how much you're, you're sharing with all of us. So mm. Big virtual hug to you, Brittany, for all the love that you're bringing to your, one of your best friends and to the rest of the world. That's so beautiful. 
Yeah, she was actually on a, like an early episode of the show, like something, I think I called it like the one with the best friend. And so we we had lots of girl talk and fun and we talked all about her episode. So I'll make sure she gets this message too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Drop it in her inbox and say, hey, shout out, shout out how wonderful you are. <laughs> Uh, so that's so wonderful so uh, we've talked about your yoga we've talked about I think the big part of what we want to get to know about you today too was the people that you have interviewed or the podcast that you've done on them and do you want to first share how you first got into podcasts or where the idea came from yeah, it, it happened during the pandemic as so many podcasts were born during that time. Uh, I had been working on a book actually celebrating people in the Down syndrome community. And I was getting to, you know, I couldn't travel to meet them at the time because of, because of COVID, but I was getting to meet them via Zoom. And I just felt so filled. Every single conversation I had just moved me and changed me. And when I'd be listening back to the transcript or like to the audio of it, I noticed that I started all of these questions with, I'm curious almost too much. <laughs> like every question I asked was, I'm curious. And I, I kept thinking after that, like, it was such a lonely time where so many were isolated and there was so much uncertainty and I wanted to learn from other people. But I thought it's weird if you call up someone you don't know or send them like a tweet and be like, hey, can you just have a phone conversation with me? Because I just want to <laughs> learn. So I thought, well, if I say I have a podcast, that's a format that people understand and agree to. So I thought, let me start a podcast. And it's, I feel like it has grown me in ways that I didn't expect. And I've learned, and I feel like it's a process that I will continually, <laughs> there's so much to learn, just even just how to listen and how to ask questions and how to be present. Cause as you're probably seeing now, even as someone else is talking, you're trying to like, okay, I need to also make sure where's this conversation going. And, and so learning to try to be really present. Like if you watch Oprah give an interview, I'm like, she's like right there. She's like right in it. She responds from that moment. And I think obviously that's why she's who she is in the world. But, oh, if I could just get a little bit of that. <laughs> I know, right? It's like a stream of consciousness that she's working on. It takes so much work. Yes. And it's just yeah. like she must have a tremendous sense of trust in herself that she doesn't have to worry about like, what is she going to say next while someone else is talking? She's just trusting that she can hear and then channel sort of whatever's meant to come out next. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is a gift, which I see as we're talking everything that you've learned from all the people that you're talking to. And it just seems to flow your culmination of all the things that you've done in life. So um, yeah, it's great to, to hear that. So now that you're in your podcast, how did like, what was the first couple that you did or how have they evolved? Yeah, so the first episode that I did is with was with David Garlock. Uh, David is in the justice world, he spent, uh, gosh, almost like, I want to say two decades in prison. He was uh, sexually and physically abused by an older man for years until when he was like 21, he decided he'd had enough. And so him and his brother, his brother was also abused too. They, they killed their abuser. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he spent, you know, a long time in prison until eventually Brian Stevenson, famed Brian Stevenson got a hold of his case and helped him get out. Um, so David and I had connected over Twitter, like, gosh, like a couple years before that. And he's just, if anyone who's listening knows David, he's so sweet and just supportive of everyone. And so when I reached out to him, I was like, well, I'm starting this podcast. I've never done it before. I have like no official setup. Will you be on my show? And like, he doesn't even really know me that well. He's like, absolutely. Uh, and so I feel like that was just getting, that was helpful to me to realize that people would be open and vulnerable and willing to explore and enjoy conversation regardless of whether I had one listener or, you know, 5,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'd ask me like how it has evolved over time. Um, I think I've, I've started to find, and it will continually be an evolution. I think as I shift, it will shift how I want to approach conversation and what I want to talk about. And as you know, I have, a, I tend to focus back on stories of people who are involved in the criminal legal system but I also have found so much pleasure and insight in just letting my curiosity take me to different places. Mm. Nice. Well, that comes through with all the different people that you've represented. So it really gives mm -hmm. us a flavor 
um, for so many different things. So I love that airiness and yet the punch of I'm curious. So you're able to really get in and answer so much, but back to your podcast with David, I could see where you would just get in, involved in that. Like I would, I would think that you could have a 10 hour podcast yes. just on <laughs> where he's coming from that, you know, the rehabilitation he's gone through and to be able to vulnerably talk about being abused and mm-hmm. where he is today. I mean, that must've been a great interview. To and get he from. now, cause, and he was, he spent, like I said, many years experiencing sexual abuse. And now he actually works with people in reentry who have uh, committed sex crimes. So I think that's really powerful too, that he's been able to sort of move through and work with his own trauma to get to a place where he can advocate for people on the registry or people who have sex offense convictions. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a whole other thing, <laughs> a whole other episode, but yeah, he's uh, just a really good and supportive person. And I feel like that's been such a great part and unexpected part of my journey too, is that everyone I have connected with, I feel like I've gotten to in some levels develop some sort of friendship with afterwards. And they've all been so supportive and so loving. And again, something that I meant to do is to learn and listen and hopefully highlight them has also given back to me, which sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, is that, is that how it's supposed to be? <laughs> but I guess that's, that's the truth. Like I wouldn't be human if I wasn't moved by the world and also didn't get to enjoy uh, what comes from connection. Right. And a lot of that, I think what, what I can feel like you're speaking to is just your passion, right? When it's mm-hmm. flowing from you and you love it and you're, you know, gaining just as much as you're giving out, yes. it's right. It's just that gift. Of, oh gift. my gosh. It feels great. Feels it feels right. So after I do every podcast episode, I'm always like on a high. And I think mm-hmm. it's because of the connection. It, it's a reminder. Like when you and I talk, we're interdependent. We're interconnected. Separation is just an illusion. And so I hang up on every Zoom call and I feel like so good. And I'm like, oh, this is all I want to do in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're given free reign to get into someone's life and get them to share. But at the same time, you're doing a huge service of awareness and education on the other end of it. Which I'll, I'll take, you know, great. <laughs> like I said it was really like I just wanted to it was like selfish I wanted to learn but I feel like lots of things that we create come from that place of what what's really interesting us and moving us and energizing us and then it tends to have an effect on the world that we didn't expect yeah well it seems like I mean you're so young and yet you've accomplished so much I mean you talk about Brittany being so young at 25 and knowing what she wants to do I mean if we look back on you having this passion to what you're doing now and everything you've been up up to at this point. I mean, I mean, even here in our short conversation, I've already learned so much about all the time you spent as a gymnast and then your yoga. And we have even, you know, we talked a little bit about dancing, but we didn't touch at all on your book. So I want to get into questions about that. Um, so let's stop there. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you've written if you want to talk about it. Yeah. And just going back to what you said, I, I think it's sometimes validating perhaps to hear like, oh, that I, I've done things in the world, which not that, you know, I, I don't think we have to, in order to make a wave, we have to do big things. I think it's sometimes just showing up in who we are because I feel like I've spent a lot of years having shame or disappointment around who I am in the world and whether I'm, I'm doing it or whether I'm missing it. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think that's important for people to hear because on the surface, it might sound like, oh, you know, she's got this life, this thing going. And I've, I feel like there's been so many places where I feel like I'm missing it. Um, so yes, I think that's why we need each other to remind ourselves that exactly as we are is enough. Um, oh, yeah. so I was like, what was your question? Oh, I got off on a tangent. You asked me about writing. Yeah, so I think writing came from that place. I mean, I was like, I remember being like three and four years old and just having like flashes come to me during the day in dreams of just an older version of myself standing at a podium with a book open. And I just, it just came to me all the time, like these flashes as if I was reading my own, own work and I, you know, at three or four years old, you don't even know what that means. Yeah. Um, and so I've always loved language. I've always loved telling stories, but I don't think I thought writing was going to be like, you know, as I got older, it started being like, my dad would be like, what do you mean you want to be a writer? Like, that's not a career. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of that. So, money. Right, exactly. So I started doing all of these other things. And I, I started an organic skincare line. That's a whole other story. But, and I remember one night being at an event 
for like staying in a hotel for an event I was doing for my skincare line. And my mom was, uh, it was upstate somewhere with me. And I just remember waking up in the middle of the night in like a panic. And I just, I just couldn't get, and I just kept telling her, I'm missing it. Like I, I'm whatever it is that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not doing it. I'm missing it. Like, if this is all it is, if all it is is skincare, <laughs> then I'm clearly doing something wrong in the world. So it was just like this overcome of, I don't know how to describe it. Um, and I think that's sort of what got me to the place. I was doing all this other work that wasn't filling me mm-hmm. and I had always wanted to write. And so finally it was just like, just do it. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> publish it. Like, don't even worry about a publisher, just publish your own thing and put out into the world what you've been holding on to. And it's not necessarily not to become a New York Times bestseller or, you know, try to make money, you know, a lot of money writing, but just because it was in me and it was always a part of me. And I think that has freed me and taught me so much about myself and not just as a, as a writer, but as a communicator. And so I've gotten to explore, um, I've shared some of my own story in my books. I've, I've uh, connected with people in prisons across the country and, and we've put out a book together, Down Syndrome, Yoga, um, Poetry, basically again, anything I'm curious about or that's moving me. It's so exciting. It's, I love the confidence that you have just to go with it. <laughs> I mean, that's a huge trait to be able to oh my gosh, I'm feeling this. I've got to get it out there. And a lot of people ruminate on it, but they don't necessarily do it. So I love it that it comes to you and you're taking action. <laughs> yeah. I, again, it was almost from this place of like, what I'm doing is not working. This deep mm-hmm. sense of almost sadness or darkness of like, this is not working for me. I have to do what's been calling to me. In fact, one of my books about Down syndrome, I interviewed this wonderful artist, Charlie French, who happens to have Down syndrome. He's this abstract painter, like gorgeous, like so creative. And I asked him, like, how do you approach a blank canvas? Because I think there's so much fear around that, right? And whether it's writing, artistry in life, when there's this emptiness. And he just said, just let go. That, that's how he approaches the blank canvas. You just let go. And so mm-hmm. I feel like I'm coming to understand that more in any work that I do or anything that I do in my life, rather than thinking, like, this is going to be the thing or, the, you know, or putting so much weight into it. Not that that doesn't matter and not that to not care about it, but to just let go. Yeah. That is such good advice. What's his name? Charlie French. Everyone should follow him on Instagram. He is incredible. Charlie French. Okay. I'm going to follow him because I feel like we're all so critical. And especially if you're going to put something in writing, you feel like it's going to be. Oh God. Yes. There, right? <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> and so many writers or, or so many people are, are apprehensive and it doesn't have to be writing where you don't do it because you're afraid you're going to be critiqued. Yeah. And yes, you are going to learn more tomorrow and you're going to be better in the future. And what I know now isn't necessarily what I want everybody to see. Yeah. And then you get stuck in this cycle of editing and editing and editing and you refine and you refine, you're fine. But from what I'm getting from speaking to you now is you're then missing what you are now. Yes. Right. And I, and believe me, I have that feeling. I look back on some of my books and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> uh, you know, even like four years ago, but I'd be like, how young? Like, <laughs> like what, what is she now? And I'm sure 10, 15, 20 years from now, I will think the same thing about anything that I'm doing in this moment. But I'm also like, as embarrassing as it is, it's also, like I said, life should be moving us and we should be growing. That's the mm. point. And so- exactly. And there's people at that level for every part of us, right? Every yes. part that you let out and everything you do, there's people there that are embracing it, that are learning. And, so right, and I'll still get that. I'll have people, the books that I'm embarrassed of, I had someone like email me the other day saying how it's moving her and it's speaking to her. And I'm like, really, that book? Yes. <laughs> but I'm like so grateful because like you said, someone else, I always think if I, when I, I put out a book and I'm always wondering like, is this what people want to hear? But I think, is yeah. this the book, if I came across it, would it be the book that I needed? And maybe mm-hmm. there's someone else. Maybe it's only one person who this is the book that they need too. And yeah. so that's why I just let go. Yeah, exactly. And it's being, <laughs> it's just bringing each other on our journey, right? Yes. Like I see a lot of it as even the people that you're talking to or us talking today, it's like we get to be in, involved with what's happening right now. We're being present, mm. right? Like so much of yoga, like we're living the moment. So many people will say, oh my gosh, I've got to be here and be here right now. I've got to be more present. I've got kids. I've got all this going on in my life. Whereas I always feel like I'm the opposite. Like I get mm-hmm. so, maybe I'm too empathetic, but everything you're saying, I live it again or whoever mm. I'm with, I live it again. So there's this richness of daily life that 
I'm taking in and appreciating every single mm. second. I, I feel oh. that from you, that, that curiosity, you genuinely seem to get engaged and draw yourself, allow yourself to be drawn in to the lives and stories of other people, which I think mm -hmm. makes you powerful at the work that you do. And as a teacher, um, cause you allow yourself to open to it. And that's how we form connection and how we feel less alone. Yeah, exactly. And just sharing where we are and yeah. you're a vulnerable person. I am too, right? Yeah. Like, let's share it. I'm, you know, even after I got off my podcast with you, I'm like, Oh my God, what did I say? <laughs> you gave it to me. I'm like, Oh God, I haven't even been able to listen to it because you know, <laughs> kind of like you with your book back then. It's like, Oh yeah. my gosh, what did I say? Should I have not shared that? I should have said this differently. Yeah, that inner critic is so huge. But at the same time, it's because we are living right now here today. It's not all necessarily scripted and thought out. It's just part of who we are. So. It's not that like Instagram perfection where everything's curated and, and fake. And so we're just bringing it to the place where it's safe to be who you are in the moment. And yeah, you're going to be different in the next moment. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, which is which is good. I mean, you and I both have have curated our Instagram sites to look at people as they are. Yes, exactly. Right. You, That's what we're both doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting you out here as you are. I mean, the people that write, you know, write to me and write to us and I put it out there. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just want to, you know, hug and, and put each one on a pedestal for being there and wanting to share that with the whole world. It's just, it's amazing to me that, you know, people are who they are. That's I was great. thinking that yesterday because you featured a friend of mine, Eric's story on humans of San Quentin. And he just like dives right in to like the moment he in a, he was in a fight in a bar and, and stabbed the guy and the guy dies. And I just thought, wow, like, <laughs> like just put it out there. It was, yeah. 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 Yes. When I got that and I'm editing and I'm like, you don't what's so common is that people often want to know why people are in jail, right? Or why they're in prison or what is their crime? The whole mm -hmm. crime story. I think all of us um, on every level are interested in that. And then for him just to come out and tell where he was and why. Um, so for those of you that don't know, he's been in prison for a bit now, 20 years and um, killed somebody and instantly tells about it in the moment. Like you said, he walks into a bar. He tells him he was mad. He was drunk, took out a knife, stabbed him three times, but what's beautiful about his story, and he's such a beautiful, succinct writer, mm -hmm. that he could very quickly in 2200 yes. characters, take us through his rehabilitation, how he was then, how he is today, the accomplishments, education, where he is now, and he had so many great um, quotes. It was hard. Like, which one do we highlight or yeah. how do we, I, in 2,200 characters, I can't, how, how do I pick this? So mm. yeah, he's a beautiful writer. So it's wonderful not to have to edit it too much, but it was great. Um, on Facebook, I was able to put his whole story. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and I'm actually, I know, I know I'm like asking you a question, but <laughs> you can't turn I, it on us. Yeah, <laughs> I, the first time I started writing to people in prison and, and connecting with people who had committed crimes that perhaps we think are horrific or violent I also thought in a weird way like wow what oddly a blessing and I don't mean because people died like that part's not a blessing of course but that I'm getting an insight I get to connect with someone who has experienced a part of life that I hopefully will never know uh mm -hmm. I just right when you think about like the people that you get to talk to who have killed someone who have done something else not that that's all of them but just I don't know when people take you through that moment vulnerability I think oh wow that's a whole other expanse of life that I never got to see before yeah. or like when you explain about David who at 21 killed his perpetrator yeah the news only tells you that this 20 21 year old is going to be locked up for the rest of his life and look right. what he did to this this person who's giving back to society who has a great job who has kids right mm -hmm. that is highlighted there's not the underside. I mean, probably not many people on that front page got the gory detail of what happened to David and his sibling mm -hmm. and, and how their life was taken down. So yeah, it's beautiful to be able to learn psychologically. And I mean, I hope through all this that you're doing what I'm doing is that emotional intelligence just gets lifted up. Mm. And the, there's so many people that I meet that are on the inside that I really after rehabilitation, want them out so they can show our younger generations that it is okay. 
You mm -hmm. don't have to have that toxic masculinity or you yeah. don't have to go with what's already been taught to you, right? Just let it flow. Yeah. If you need to cry, cry, yeah. uh, laugh, live, mm. all that good stuff. Mm. Um, so not, not you and I to get off another track. Yeah. Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you have been doing your podcast and is, is this something you want to keep going? Where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself anywhere in the future? Getting, I know you talked a little bit about getting more into criminal justice. Uh, yeah, that's, I feel like I'm in an interesting place in my life. You and I have talked about this a little bit off the air. Um, I do want to keep the podcast going regardless of, you know, whether I, whatever it looks like in the future, just because it's been such an experience for me. Again, like selfishly, I realized that even when I travel or I go to a different city, for me, it's the relational experiences. It's not like, oh, let me go see this old house or let me, you know, whatever the little touristy things, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's like the people that I meet. And so I almost feel like I get to adventure through these conversations that it, I didn't realize I was an, a, an adventurer. I didn't realize I was an explorer until this podcast and someone pointed it out like, oh, all the work you do, like that's an explorer too. And I thought, oh. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> but you have a passion for that. So you don't see it as work. Yeah. And I just even, I didn't even realize I was adventurous. I, <laughs> I was like, I'm not adventurous. And then I'm like, oh, wow, this is my form of adventure. Um, yeah. So I do want that. And I, I feel like the social justice has been something, this community, it's been like world opening. The world opening power of connection has been opened to me. And so I do want to explore that more and make more connections. And if I can do work in that space, great. Um, but I don't really know. I don't know what's next. And I'm listening and trust that what's meant will find me and I will find it. Mm -hmm. um, and that there will always be iterations. I'm the type of person, as you can tell, I have my hands in lots of projects, as you know, you do too. And, and that's kind of how I like it. And so I know there's not going to be just this one thing for me for forever that I hope I get to explore things that I couldn't have even imagined in this moment. Mm. Well, I would love to talk about along the lines of that podcast and maybe even really quickly for those um, lay people like me that aren't familiar with podcasts is it, can you give us kind of a recap about what, what it takes to simply get a podcast up online? Yeah. And it's, I'm laughing because I don't know that I'm the right person to ask. Cause I just, other people have asked me this question since then, like even guests that I've had on, like, oh, how'd you get started? Did you do all this research? And that was one of those things that was like a just let go moment. I was like, oh, I want to do this, this. And it felt right in my gut. And so I was just like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so I, you know, record as you, as you're like, I record over Zoom. I have my like old headphones that came with my computer. Like I don't, I don't use a fancy mic or anything like that. But um, yeah, the, the life cycle of it is finding someone, <laughs> finding someone you're, compelled by or that your curiosity is drawn mm -hmm. to and reaching out to them and hoping that whatever you say to them will encourage them to be like, yeah, sure. I'm going to give that a try. I don't know who she is, but sure. Um, and to be honest, I feel like when you, I, when you write to someone with true gratitude and love and respect that people say yes <laughs> in a way that you didn't expect. Um, and then <laughs> cute dog in the background. <laughs> Harley's going to this is part of it. See, when you don't have like a fancy podcast and like a sound booth, a soundproof booth, we get cute animal sounds in the background, babies too, all of that's good. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I prepare for a conversation, but I always like to keep it organic and just because I know the blessing again is that I'm going to be surprised by what someone says, right? That mm. you can't possibly know ahead of time, like their mm. experience or what's going to come out. And so just let it flow. Um, mm. And then, you know, I edit it a little bit in, in GarageBand. Uh, and by edit, I take out like the times where I forget what I'm saying and I go off track. But other than that, it pretty much stays and uh, I post it, you know? I feel like there's probably mm -hmm. a better way to do all of these things. But where I am at this moment, a podcast that I'm doing for fun that I'm not trying to like make money off of, it just, it works mm -hmm. and, you know, I get to learn and great. <laughs> there'll be, there'll yeah. be, there'll be oh. times for up-leveling it in the future. Should I want to? <laughs> but what's so nice is that you don't have to, right? It works right. how it's working. And it's nice to hear that, that those people that 
you know, there's listeners out there that have that in them and want to do something. It's easy. Just, exactly. you know. right. Anyone can do it, which is why there are yeah. a zillion podcasts now. And, you know, it's hard to keep track. And so many have been born over the pandemic. But if you have an interest, I'm always like, I'm, I probably shouldn't, but I'm always like encouraging everyone like, yeah, follow your passion. <laughs> Just go for it. <laughs> well, it's out there. I feel like your passion's waiting for you if you haven't found it yeah. or you hope people find it. I mean, yeah. I'm the mother of teenagers who are searching for that and mm-hmm. want to find it. So and they're yeah, young. I think teenagers, hard. right? Like now I look back when I was a teenager and I think, oh, how much I didn't know or how much I wish I would have explored the world more or been open to it. Cause there's so much waiting that sometimes you just, you can't even picture in advance. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. What else did I want? There's a couple other things I think I had on my mind um, to talk to you about. Um, but they're escaping me since we've been down so many different passes we're talking yeah. here. <laughs> Is there one of your podcasts that have been more enlightening than another or some, an area that you really didn't know about that has, you know, now come to come to light for you? Maybe all of them, but is there one that kind right. of comes it, out? You know, it's sort of like, I don't want to single out. I, I'm going to, but I, you know, cause everyone has, like rever- every episode is reverberated with me in its own way. One of the episodes that had the most profound, like energetic impact on me for like weeks afterwards was an episode I did with Artie Gons. Uh, Artie is a former lifer. He spent, I think it was 21 years in prison. Um, I forget the exact amount, but a ridiculously long amount of time in solitary confinement. Um, and now he works in film, which is his like first love and, and passion. And we did an episode a little bit on his life, but also we both, we had a conversation before and we had never met. We had a conversation before and we said, we want to talk about love, all the forms of love. Um, and just something like his voice, his energy, the conversation just moved me. Uh, I made me realize the places in my life that I was settling or that the, the frequency of love that he talked about reminded me that I there's so much more that's possible. I was playing small in my life. I was imagining too small. And that, that energy of love, just, just his frequency that he put out into the world that reminded, that was the greater frequency of love just had this really profound impact on me. And he knows that I tell him that all the time. He and I are friends and and chat a lot. Um, But that was definitely an episode that I, I, I quote often. Nice. That's a great story. It's great to hear that I wouldn't, when you first told me, oh, he's been in, you know, solitary confinement, he's been in for 21 years. I didn't think that you were going to say love was coming out of that. Right? So <laughs> it goes to show you, like, you just got to be curious. And when you sit down with that person, you can, you know, script it, but you don't know what's going to come out of it. That's like exactly. a of that in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of emotional intelligence, again, that comes out from, you know, people that are, I hate to say that you have to be in prison to, to be there because there's a lot of other ways to get it, but yeah. No, he talks about that. He's working on a show called Lessons from a Lifer because he believes that all that time he spent and had that chance to reflect, not that, you know, he want to, to pass that on to someone else, yeah. but the, he's, there's lots of wisdom and I, he is most certainly incredibly wise. And, you know, part of it, I also think, you know, that's just who he is. And he's born with this gift and this innate, like sacred something. But yeah, as you and I have talked about many times, I find, I feel so seen by some of the people I connect with who are currently or formerly incarcerated because um, they allow you to see them often. And in turn, uh, I let them see me and there's a lot that comes out of that. Yeah, they're just really there and real. Mm-hmm. And words are real, they're sharing yeah. where they are, right? You can ask them anything and they'll share it. It's right? like, oh my God. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> there's certain things you wouldn't think they would want to share but like you and I were just talking about with your friend Eric who mm. was posted on he was like Quentin the other day he just comes right out and right? you know tells people where they're at yeah. that's so awesome um so with me you did a lightning round mm-hmm. I would love to do a quick I was lightning wondering round. if there's going to be a lightning round all right okay <laughs> embracing I don't have questions necessarily scripted out so we're going right. to see how my impromptu to lightning round goes um so let's think um this is probably very poignant for you um if you had to pick 
your next occupation or, or looking back at an occupation that you wanted yourself to have mm. in life, what would, what would, what's something you would like to try? Uh, so when I was in college and I was getting ready to graduate, um, it was, I was graduating a semester early. So it was around Christmas time. And I remember my mom sent me an email and it was like, what do you want for Christmas? Like, <laughs> what's your wish list? Like for Santa and teasing. And I remember I wrote to her and I was being funny um, and I was living in New York city, getting ready to graduate. Wasn't quite sure where, what was happening next. And I said, I want a man, a job, an apartment and to be Oprah, but better. <laughs> a little good, but, and obviously not better. What I meant was in my own way. And so yeah. Oprah, I mean, obviously that's a big stretch. That's a big leap, but I just, the possibility to communicate, not just be a writer, but a communicator, to listen, to create brands, to uh, give back and explore, which gives back to you. I mean, like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm a, asking for a lot there, but well, that's a hell of an answer. Yeah. <laughs> but you're on your way. I feel like you've done so much, right? I mean, you've, you've checked a lot of boxes to get yourself there. So that leads me to a question that you asked me if you could sit down and have a conversation or a cup of coffee or dinner or whatever with one person, would it be Oprah? Oh, um, that's interesting. I mean, I wouldn't turn that down. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like top of my list, um, actually someone who's dead, but Virginia Woolf. Yeah. Love to have a conversation. I wrote both my theses in college on Virginia Woolf and have had like weird dreams about her before I even knew she existed. I, when I was a kid, I used to have dreams that I was this woman who would walk into the river with rocks in her pockets and that's how I died. And then I, yeah. And then years later, knowing nothing, I didn't even know she existed, like that she was a thing. I started reading her books and I found out how she died and she walked into a river with rocks in her pockets. Well, so, you, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've heard about that where a lot of people believe that we are reincarnated, right? Like we're something, <laughs> somebody else in a past life. So that could have been, so maybe know. I was Virginia Woolf. So I would love to just talk to her. Um, but yeah, no, Oprah, Michelle Obama, Alice Walker, um, Barack Obama, if I, you know, if we want to have a different type of dinner, Zac Efron, you know, I would All right. <laughs> <laughs> different type of dinner, but yeah. <laughs> but notable, none the, nonetheless. Notable, nonetheless. <laughs> um, and you're pretty close to this age, but I always, there's one country song that I like, and I can't remember his name, but he writes a letter back to himself uh, when he was 18. Mm. So, you see, you kind of told us a little bit about that, but if you could tell your 18 year old self something, which seems like probably yesterday for you, <laughs> what would you say? <laughs> um, no, I, I think about this often. Um, I was, like I said, I was going to college in New York city at 18 and I know this sounds silly, but I wish I had known, which is it's obvious or someone had said like, go explore the city. Like, and not just the city, go to the places that you wouldn't go. I remember I had one Spanish teacher, uh, I was taking a creative writing class in Spanish and he assigned us as like a journalistic endeavor, different places to go into the city. And mine was to go, I was at, you know, Barnard College of Columbia. So just like South of Harlem. And it was to go into Harlem to some fish market. And normally like, you know, we were taught like, you know, good white girls at Barnard, you don't go past 125th street. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just like, right. And I remember walking, you know, North of 125th street into Harlem and just experiencing life in a ways that I didn't expect. And I wish I had done that more. I feel like I came to this whole social justice prison reform movement, what it feels like to me late in life. And I wish mm -hmm. someone had told me like, there are other places beyond the suburbs, there's more to know, and it's going to like rock your world. Well, yeah, change you. Yes. Well, maybe that's something for us to think of forward when not that we want to be lecturing other people all the time, but pass that on, right? Like go yes. search. You lived in a miraculous place. Go search it. Right. I went yeah. to like the yoga classes and the spin classes in the city or like the different whole foods or like, you know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many great things. And to hit on where, you know, my, my justice reform comes from, have you ever been in Rikers? I have not. Oh, see, I know Not that you could get in there, but there's, you know, a whole contingent of things that you can learn. Right. That, that, that that's sitting right there in your world. I, yeah. I dream of like traveling to different cities to like visit the prison. And it's like, <laughs> these are my new vacation goals. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm curious since you're into podcasts, so I'd like to end with this one last question of, is there other, maybe three other podcasts that you know, that you like, that you would recommend to me and your audience? Oh, that's a great question. Yes. Um, the first one that comes to mind is the On Being podcast with Krista Tippett. She dives into deep spiritual existential questions. It's beautiful and deep and I always get something out of it that I didn't expect. Um, I love everything that Brene Brown does. <laughs> so she has a Dare to Lead podcast and I don't know why I can't think of the other one that I listen to more, but she has a couple of podcasts um, and I just love who she is and how she shows up even as a podcaster. I feel like I learn a lot. And then a third podcast. Oh, because there's so many like friends of mine in the like social justice space. I don't want to like leave somewhere, someone out. But um, and she was on my show. Alyssa Ackerman and Alexis Sardina have um, Beyond Fear, the Sex Crimes podcast. That one's really good. Um, Ear Hustle. You know, I could go on in, in that avenue. But those are those are some of my go tos. Nice. Beyond being dare to is it dare to be? Dare to Lead is one of them. And then she, which is she like different executives and leaders, but she has one that's more human interest vulnerability that I can't think of the name of it. But if you search uh, Renee Brown, exclusive to Spotify, <laughs> you'll find it on there. <laughs> um, and then Beyond Fear. We got a lot of bees here. I know. Beyond right? Bees, I don't know what that Ron means. Brown, Beyond Fear. <laughs> I have an affinity for it and I didn't even know the letter. Yeah. Right. And, and you're, th you're forward thinking you're beyond what's happening now. So <laughs> exactly. you up a little bit. So um, not to hate to end it, everything that we've learned from you, but it's so nice that you shared all the, all the interests that you've given us that have led you to where you are and you being so young I can only imagine all the heights that you're going to reach and your confidence to do it and just like you said just go for it put it put it aside and if you're thinking it go for it so, yeah oh sorry no I, I'm I'm so grateful for you honestly that you've created this space for me I was like worried about centering myself but you're like no let's do it and your curiosity and willingness like you came prepared I love that um, and when you said also just touching the last thing, like the heights that I've reached, and that's so kind. One of the things I've learned in the past few years is that I hope I don't just go up, but I expand, expand outward. And that's the mm -hmm. type of like transcendence and growth that I want to experience that connects to other people. And we all sort of rise together. Um, yeah. But yeah, you, you have taught me like so much and I'm so grateful for your friendship and continued friendship. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Well, it's completely mutual. So I'm honored that you let me, you know, even interview you and you're so mm -hmm. vulnerable in yourself. So yes, together we can grow outward yes. and hopefully upward and mm -hmm. hopefully it won't be, you know, around our waistline as we're growing. <laughs> exactly. Metaphorically, metaphorically. Yeah. <laughs> in my fifties now, it's like, oh my gosh, hips. Life I've, is I've got fun things to look forward to, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, I'm going to officially pause it there, Diane. Yeah, thank you. Hurry up quick, El Hefe's coming soon. Sit up straight when she enters the room. Be enthused, but don't look too amused. This is her queendom, please respect her rule. Hurry up quick, El Hefe's coming soon. Sit up straight when she enters the room. Be enthused, but don't look too amused. This is her queendom, please respect her rule.